Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Ed here, Digital Voices, another super podcast guest with us this week. It is a friend of mine, Yiting, and you'll get to hear all about her story. And it's really about tech leadership and sort of mid-career. You know, a lot of time our guests are sort of at the top of their careers, but I thought it'd be really interesting to have mid-career. And then she has one of the most profound, beautiful stories that I've ever heard. So I, I wanted to uh, acquaint my audience uh, uh, with her and to hear about that. Uh, and she's also a musician, so we'll talk a little bit about music and digital. Uh, so Yiting, welcome to Digital Voices. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. It's great to have you. And before we jump in, I'm going to ask Megan, our producer, about her musicality. Like, Megan, do you play an instrument? I don't, but I do. I come from a very musical family. I've got a lot of talented musicians in my in my family, but I, I took piano growing up. Um, it's something that I do wish that I would have stuck with, um, but I don't not I don't know how to play it anymore. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's kind of a common theme. People, a lot of people are exposed to music early on and, and they don't follow through with it for a variety of reasons. And but that's always like a regret, right? A common regret people have is like now that they're older, it's like, I wish I would have stuck with music. I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Uh, so we'll hear sort of Yi Ting's uh, perspective on that. And we first met in 2015. So Yi Ting and I were on the same team. So we were doing digital transformation at scale, in New York City Health and Hospitals. And we were undergoing a tremendous cultural and transformational change. And Yiting was a key part of the team. And that's really where we first met. We connected. And, and then, unfortunately, you know, we each went our separate ways. So it's good, you know, seven years later to, uh, to reconnect. But the most common question we always have, Yiting, as we start off, and it'll be really interesting, your answer, since you are a musician, is what songs are on your playlist today? So what do you listen to when you're relaxing or working or whatever? Oh, wow. Um, it's a mix of uh, classical music. So um, I'm, I'm a violinist, so lots of violin concertos in there, symphonies. I love operas. Um, I also have quite a few jazz favorites. I especially love, I don't know if you've heard them, um, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. Um, awesome, awesome guitarist and, and violinist, jazz violinist. Highly recommend Oh, that sounds interesting. Jazz violinist. Mm -hmm. I'm not that familiar with it, so I'm going to look that. I'm definitely going to look that up, uh, and it'll make one of my my nephews proud. You know, he's a he's a PhD piano performance. He's performed in New York City a couple times, nice. and uh, and so I'll, I'll uh, surprise him, and he'll be really impressed when I start talking about <laughs> sort of like jazz violinist. So uh, that'd be cool. What, what is your life mantra or passion? Is there sort of words that you live by or that help direct you? Yeah. Um, wow. There are so many, but one that I keep going back to, and it's funny, I actually don't remember where I first heard this, but I just keep going back to it. It's um, perseverance is 10,000 new beginnings. And what that means to me is that on one hand, you know, keep your eyes on what is important. That's the perseverance part. Um, but at the same time, also, you know, get up where you fall and look for new possibilities always. And that's the 10,000 new beginnings. 
So the two are not conflicting, but are actually, you know, work beautifully together. Perseverance is 10,000 new beginnings. Oh, I love that. I'm, you know, I'm writing a book with uh, Chris Ross at Mayo Clinic, and we talk a lot about uh, resilience, which is similar, um, similar to perseverance. And um, I love that, you know, 10,000 new beginnings. So mm-hmm. I'll pr- that'll probably show up now in the book. Okay. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself as, as we introduce introduce you to the audience yeah you know both personal and professional sure um so i was born in taiwan the other uh end of the world from here um the first 16 years of my life um was completely dedicated to classical music um i started playing the violin when i was four years old so i actually don't remember have no memory of a time when i did not play and um, I also started performing very early on, I think a couple years after I, I started. So that was my whole life. Um, I had an opportunity to come to New York when I was 12 years old to study at Juilliard. So that was a, a quite a big uh, change, cultural shock, and, and all of that. That um, did that for a few years, um, but then unfortunately um, was diagnosed with a, with a health condition. And so I actually had a stroke at age 16, um, and that completely ended my professional music career. Um, I then turned to medicine briefly. So I um, did a pre-med and psychology program at Columbia for undergrad. And after I graduated, uh, went into clinical research for uh, a couple of years. I was extremely fortunate to have um, my, my boss at the time who became a mentor and a great friend who um, is a doctor. And he really saw something um, that I did not at the time and encouraged me to develop skills. Um, he said he, he would just, he said, knowing you, I think you would just be really frustrated if you go into medicine as, um, as a physician. So he encouraged me to develop skills that would sort of um, strive to make a difference more systematically. And so I took that advice and um, uh, went into a, a Master of Public Health uh, program at Columbia, again, uh, specializing in, in health management. And then after, right after graduation, sort of stumbled uh, into, into IT. And here we are uh, more than a decade later. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. So you were this, if I can uh, sort of uh, dig a little bit deeper so you were sort of this child protege, or uh, not protege, but what's mm-hmm. that called when you're uh, a child and you're uh, going to be the big uh, prodigy. prodigy? Thank you, yeah. <laughs> uh, protege and prodigy, yeah. So you were a child prodigy. So you mm-hmm. were definitely on this fast track. You were performing at around age six. Mm-hmm. You come to New York City, mm-hmm. you leave the security of your family and, and culture that you're familiar yep. with in Taiwan, and you come over and... Uh, and then you, you have this great mm-hmm. experience, right? Or, you know, or learn or learning. Uh, and then this traumatic event happens, right, at mm-hmm. age sixteen, mm-hmm. and sort of, sort of, sort of flipped your life around a little bit. What is that? Where your perseverance came from? How did uh, you know? How did that change your 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 life perspectives? Oh boy, it, it changed everything. Um, but I would have to say, I think the perseverance. I'm I'm forever thankful for my classical music training because 
you know, starting at age four. And I was, mind you, I was practicing six hours a day by the time I was six years old. I was very regimented, extremely disciplined way of looking at life. So I think I was taught early on that if you want to do anything significant in life, there's only one attitude about it. And that's, that's, you know, with this utmost uh, discipline. And obviously, um, facing life and death at 16, um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't supposed to survive the stroke, but did. Wasn't supposed to recover um, much, but, you know, thank God, um, you know, that that wasn't the case. And so that definitely changed me a lot. I think in, in some ways I've become fearless in some areas in life, um, but also uh, more vigilant in other areas of life. It makes me appreciate how, how short life is and just how precious time is. Yeah, so what would you say to, to our audience, you know, digital IT transformation leaders across payers, providers, life sciences, pharma. And where mm-hmm. a lot of us are super career oriented and, you know, climbing the ladder in different things. And, and hopefully, right, no one ever has to go through a traumatic life experience to sort of get this different perspective. So mm-hmm. um, you have, and you've transitioned super well, and you, the things that I've written down, you know, and I know about you already, you know, the vigilant mm-hmm. fearlessness. What, what would you share with our audience uh, in terms of like additional insights that you learned from that experience that would be helpful to us without having to go through that experience ourselves? Yeah, yeah. Um, man, there, there's so many, but I think I'll break it down into the the sort of what I learned as a musician and how I've seen that translate into, um, into health technology. I think, you know, as a musician, um, playing music is as much about listening to who you're playing with um, and paying attention to who you're playing for um, as it is about just actually playing the music. Um, the worst concerts, which performances there are, are when two or more musicians just decide, you know what, I'm going to show you. you know, I'm going I'm to play louder than you and, and just show off. That just is not a, not a nice experience for, for anybody involved. So I think having learned that early um, and coming into health technology, it definitely taught me to, I mean, listen, you know, we, we, we all bring something different to the table. Um, whether, you know, it's, it's somebody working on the back end, somebody working on the front end, more user facing, whatever. We bring something different. And what I bring is different from what you bring, uh, and vice versa. And we should be, we should be complementing each other and always having the, the end user in, in this case, you know, providers and, and patients in mind. So I think that, that just, for me, is, is natural to always, in, in every situation, whether it's giving a presentation or developing a, a product, thinking, who am I playing with and who am I playing for? And, and so, so that's, that's just something that I always take with me. Um, the other, the, the more sort of life-altering, dramatic experience is that um, I've had experience firsthand as a patient. And I think, you know, just that sort of empathy and compassion goes a long way. Whether And now being on the other side, 
you know, being somebody who's actually developing and, and implementing technology solutions that would impact patients um, and working with providers, it's always, you know, putting my, myself in the patient's shoes, in the provider's shoes, thinking back to those specific moments when I felt like, oh man, it, you know, as a patient, if, if things were different, that this would really make my life um, so much easier. Or thinking back to specific providers who want to help me but couldn't because of you know, limitation in the tools and thinking you know, what would help them to help me at the time. Yeah, those are both uh, really profound in terms of uh, the analogy to, I was thinking you know, like a symphony and, and the different instrument, you know, mm-hmm. woodwinds working together with the brass section. And I, I got to be careful here because mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to get out of my and the strings, but but not trying to outshow each other, mm-hmm. but work in concert. Right. Um, no pun intended. Yep. And then you know the mm-hmm. yeah the empathy that you learn naturally by being a patient, having been on the other side. And you know we we wish no one to have the experience. You know I've had a traumatic experience as well, and you have. Uh, and certainly mm-hmm. I know I know you well enough to say that we both wish no one to have those experiences themselves. Uh, but we can certainly learn from other people's evaluated experiences. Uh, like yours and to really, you know, uh, develop that empathy and that compassion. And, and then as we do our work and specifically in digital, you know, that we always keep that end in mind. So that's, that's really good. Do you still play music today? I do. I'm so thankful for that. Um, so I um, don't really play classical music anymore. It just has uh, just physically, you know, require um, things that I cannot do anymore. But fortunately, um, I it actually opened doors for me to be exposed to other genres. So once I started playing again, um, I have been playing with jazz musicians. I play rock, play pop. Um, I play primarily at a church uh, these days in, in uh, as as an act of worship. But you know, also just helping out a friend occasionally for a recording session here and there, weddings. So yeah, definitely, definitely still play. Yeah, that's cool. And and I know that you, for a while, you participated in something called Musicians on Call. Mm-hmm. Is that related to healthcare? Yeah, yeah. So Musicians on Call is this really cool organization. Um, they send professional musicians to different healthcare facilities, so hospitals, uh, skilled nursing facilities, and within hospitals. Uh, you know, we played at ICUs, we played at EDs, oncology units, um, and they, they typically send two people at a time. Um, so it would be a musician, myself in this case, and a guide. And then uh, we would go to individual rooms and the guide would go in and ask the patient, you know, would you like some, uh, would you like your very own private concert, a professional musician coming in to play by your bedside? So we would do that, um, and then I also get a chance to play for staff. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I I remember when uh, my mom was in hospice care, and they had a harpist. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a, a easily movable instrument, but they she mm-hmm. did this particular harpist did, and uh, it was just such a beautiful ministry of music uh, for the all the patients there. Really uh, responded well and then i know my mom in particular just loved it and then she would make requests and even though they weren't traditional uh songs you might play on a harp the harpist was you know very gifted musician and she would 
uh, learn how to play all of my mom's sort of favorite songs. And, and I remember that we started buying all of the musicians also had CDs. They weren't there to sell it, but we were asking, you know, mm-hmm. about it. And uh, it just uh, provided an otherwise dark place, um, this ray of sunshine and hope. And, uh, and you know, I, I know you and I both believe uh, and, you know, have common belief in terms of where that music comes from and, you know, soothing to the soul. And mm-hmm. um, so it, it's a great ministry. And that's really cool uh, that you could do it. Have yeah. you seen uh, changes in, in, in music, you know, in terms of uh, digital, like as digital becomes more pronounced in, te- in, in healthcare, and we've seen all the changes, right? We're, we're helping to lead those. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, you know, as you still play a little bit, have you seen the impact of digital in the, in the regular music world? I definitely have. Um, so the, the, the musicians that I, I now um, am more, you know, have come in frequent contact with, many of them, you know, have their own home studio, they make their own music. Um, many of them play multiple languages. I think digital definitely allows, um, you know, one person to have their vision of what they think that, that music should sound like and actually make it happen. Uh, without so much depending, without depending too much on on you know on 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 everybody else, um, I've also had experiences where I go into a studio to record and just folks coming up with the most creative and, and crazy ways of of making uh, music to just get the kind of sound that they want. I remember one specific uh, recording session; the drummer was just not happy with. Um, the kind of sound that he wants to make, or maybe it was the, the soloist, the, the vocalist. But anyway, we ended up, uh, uh, the, the, the only way out of it actually was uh, the vocalist was, was wearing this very interesting uh, combination of plastic and beads uh, necklace. And so uh, she's like, you know what, why don't we try just using this necklace and put it on the drum and see what kind of sound comes uh-huh. out of it. And it was exactly what they wanted. So we did the whole session with there's this huge necklace singing on, on the drums. But, you know, I think that sort of things, um, you could definitely do it live, but there's nothing like digital that sort of creates more space for, for creativity. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, a little improvisational mm-hmm. uh, output there as well. So... We, you are sort of mid-career. You're you're uh, younger than, in age than and than though some of our guests, right, who are later in their careers and are currently the like SVPs or EVPs, you know, chief digital officers, those sort of things. What advice? So I always ask the same question, but you know, your 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 advice might be even more profound than theirs because uh, there there may be a little, you know, too many years removed. Uh, what advice would you have for those first starting out in healthcare tech? Uh, what you know in terms of you know how to how to you know perform to get to that mid level so that they can have other options once they reach that mid level. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, and I, I feel so humbled <laughs> to 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 be even asked that. Um, so I would say I mentioned earlier that I stumbled into IT, and by stumble, I really do mean stumble. Um, but towards the end of my uh, master's degree, you know, I really dig deep and, and, and you know, sought advice uh, from, from people who know me well and come to realization that I enjoy solving problems with people. 
I enjoy, you know, navigating uh, ambiguous situations and connecting people and concepts and just really trying to be a thought partner. And so with that realization, I thought, you know, consulting was a natural fit. Um, and so I was looking for something in consulting, uh, in healthcare and consulting. And um, literally two weeks before graduation, you know, this IT consulting company came to my to my healthcare IT class, and, and the guy like dribble, you know, wrote down his email on on the on the whiteboard and said, "We're hiring." You know, send me your resume, and that was it. You know, and so I thought, you know, why not? I sent my resume and got an offer right away, and I just thought, you know what? Let me let me try this, and no turning back. I'm just forever grateful um, that that's how I got into IT. So my first advice would be. Don't take anything too seriously. Don't, definitely don't take yourself too seriously. I think I think understand um, understand what your core skills are, what makes you tick, uh, what you think you do well, and then beyond that, um, I and I still say this to myself every day. You know, don't don't feel like you have to prescribe um, yourself to a certain career path because none of us really really know. Like you don't know until you, you get there. Um, so, yeah. yeah, interesting note on consulting. And then I have another question for you uh, related to all this. So I, I found when I was hiring that some of the greatest skilled individuals uh, were those coming from consulting. So I, I agree with you. If you can get consulting experience, and I don't say that because today I'm a CEO of, a, of a, mm-hmm. one of the best uh, consulting organizations out there. But uh, I truly mean that. I didn't actually have that experience myself. And when I saw my peers that did, I knew they had skills and experiences that I never did. And I sort of coveted those. And so uh, when I was building my own teams, I always looked for individuals who had consulting experience. So that's really a good, not just for entry level, but certainly an entry level. Uh, it's good to jump right into consulting and gain those uh, multitudes of experiences. Um, how about education? So another common question I get and better for you to answer being mid-level career is, is it worth it to get my master's? So I know you went on and got your, your master's, but mm-hmm. how would you answer that question for someone who's a couple of years into their career with their bachelor's? Yeah. So I, um, I took uh, three years between finishing my bachelor's and then going to uh, get my master's. And I'm, I'm very uh, glad that I took a bit of a break um, between the two degrees, because that um, in that time was when I did clinical research and actually, you know, learned what it means to be an entry level um, person. And just, you know, I was young, it's in my twenties. I was like, you know, just plugging myself into everything. And in that process, you know, discovering what it is that I really want to do, and that was also where, um, you know, I really got to have uh, precious time with my mentor. Who, who you know convinced me to to go and get um, a master's, and then you know having um, that experience, then getting into the master's program, it helped me to um, whatever was taught to 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 really think critically and think about how I can apply. Um, I think um, for for somebody who may perhaps may have spent even more time than I did. Um, in, in a workplace and going back to uh, getting their master's, I, I would imagine that they may even get more out of it because 
um, there were just so many memorable conversations that I've had with my professor where they are either mid or senior career. Um, and so they've seen how the textbook knowledge translates into what they're doing. And, and I also, so, you know, you get, you end up in a situation where you're really not just absorbing what's being taught, but also, you know, challenging the other party. And, and it's just, uh, I feel like you get definitely get more out of it. Yeah. So I should have said this up front, Yiting, but for our audience, uh, Yiting's a rock star, okay, in in uh, health tech. And so the, 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 when you hear her speak about should I get an education or not, or, or or what were some important learnings earlier in her career, you, you really need to take hold of these. And on the on the degree, I'll I'll say this on the degree. A lot of times, if your hope is to uh, become a senior executive. You have to have a master's degree, it's right or wrong. That's just the way things are today. Um, so you've got to check that box. And and the earlier you do it in your career, I think you get more value out of it later in your career. But often later in your career, you start you're married or partnered, and you're starting to have children, and and life gets really busy. So I always advise people, uh, similar to what you did, you think is that get your master's early. Yeah, if you can separate a couple of years like you did uh, between bachelor's and master's, again, to get that more of that life experience, it's good. But what I love about the master's is that's when you really know what you don't know. You know, when you graduate your bachelor's, you, you kind of think, OK, I, I, I know the world. I know what's going on. But when you get your master's because you're specializing now, you're realizing, oh, my gosh, there's so much more I don't know. And the networks that you create are, are much greater than the ones you create with your bachelor's. And so I'm definitely a big a uh, big proponent of uh, of getting your degree as well. So as we come towards the conclusion of our time together, what are can you talk about one or two things that you're most proud of in your uh, career? Uh, you know, I you know whether it was what we did in New York City or something uh, that you've done since then or before New York City. Uh, but anything you know, what how would you answer that question? One or two things that you're most proud of. Well, um, definitely when we, when we, uh, met, uh, we were doing, um, uh, a huge scale, wouldn't even call it large scale. I think it's a huge scale, uh, EMR implementation, um, uh, at the largest public safety net hospital system. So I think that, that, and, and for me, that was, uh, just always something that I'll always hold dear and near, um, because I, um, you know, was involved early on and really saw firsthand how leadership made that decision and was part of, you know, just forming that large team that ended up performing so well. Um, and so very proud of that. Um, I also, uh, since since leaving New York, City uh, uh, Health Hospital, uh, was involved in the district program. That's the uh, New York's uh, 1199 waiver uh, Medicaid five-year program and implemented a whole suite of IT solutions. And that was such a fun experience because at that point, it wasn't just EMR. You know, there's everything from backend, you know, data processing, storage, all the way to the front end, you know, the mobile apps that patients uh, could use. Um, and then right now, um, I am um, working on uh, many different population health-related initiatives uh, working closely with um, with community providers uh, and uh, particularly proud that I um, am, am the, the IT 
um, point of contact for all things social determinants of health. Um, so that's that's another another passion of mine is just to see how you know um, things that's not clinically related ultimately tie back to to the health of the of the patient. So uh, one last question for you. So where 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 are you headed with your career? Like ultimately, you know, five ten years, you've got like uh, many more years ahead of you than that. But where mm-hmm. where do you sort of see yourself? Where would you like to be uh, in terms of your career? Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out, and I think that's such a such a good question. What do I want to be when I grow up? Um, I think some things will not change. I will always be. Um, will always love to be that thought partner. Always be that you know co problem solver with whoever I you know I work with. Um, I would love to just be more and more at the table with folks who you know, who know what, what needs to be done and who has the, you know, the, the, the means and the decision-making power to do it and ultimately, you know, just keep at it. I, I really think that health technology is such a field. I mean, much like music, there's just so much room for all of us to, to bring our talents and so much, so much needs to, um, you know, for, for, for this field to, to always keep uh, evolving, and I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I know you've got an incredible future uh, ahead of you, and it'd be fun if uh, we were able to uh, serve together again in some capacity uh, down the road. You think we covered a lot. We, we, we went from, you know, learning about jazz violinists to um, <laughs> concepts around perseverance. We talked about uh, things you learned in your own story and having a, a stroke at age 16 after being this protege uh, for violin and, uh, you know, the empathy and compassion that came out of it and that vigilance and the fearlessness and the discipline, all the different things that you learn in your life. And then we talked a lot about sort of mid-career and you gave a lot of really good advice around that. We did some analogies between music and tech or, or teamwork and leadership um, is, and, you know, sort of, you know, your advice on, on different things for, for, for new people getting into the field. Is there something else that we maybe missed or something we talked about? I, I just want to give you the last word in, in any closing comments you might have. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we've definitely covered so much, and I feel like I you know, could go on for forever. Um, but I'm just, you know, I, I'm so thankful to be alive. I know this sounds so cliche. and just, you know, I'm so thankful that, even though it's, it's such a chaotic world um, out there and there's so much need, um, but I am thankful um, to be uh, where I am, um, the field that we are working in. Um, as I said, I think a lot, I'm very excited to see how far we have come in, in healthcare. And I know that person as a, as a patient and now as somebody who's, who's directly in it. Um, but I also think that there's a lot of room um, ahead of us. Um, I keep going back to that, you know, perseverance is 10,000 new beginnings. I am, I just know that there's no, there's practically no limit to the number of new beginnings that we can do. And ultimately that, that end goal of better health for, for everyone, absolutely everyone. I think is, is what we persevere towards. Yeah. I, I love it. This has been such an uplifting time to reconnecting with you and learning from you. And I know that you uh, will inspire others to, to do uh, great things with their lives. So thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you. All right. That wraps up another drop for Digital Voices. Look forward to connecting with you. 
this time next week. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.